tell you that you have a major competition coming up. And if you win this competition, you can pick what the competition is. Pick something you're good at. Okay? So if you win this competition, you're going to win one trillion dollars. What are you going to do between this moment and the competition? You're going to practice, right? You're going to train can in order that you can be as good in that competition as you can possibly be, right? If any of you are those weird people that picked in your mind that you're going to run a race because you like running, um, God have mercy on you. No, I look up to you. That's, that's a, a great value. But between now and then, what are you going to do? You're going to practice. You're going to run. You're going to put your times in. You're going to get on a training schedule. You're going to figure out how long you have to get prepared. How long is the race? You're going to condition that you can get it to. Um, some of you might have picked a board game competition. Nick, you with me? Yeah, yeah. All right. Um, and so you're going to find out which board game it is, and you're going to practice it, and you're going to try to get as many different people to come over and play you in that board game uh, so that you can really hone your skills in, right? So you can, can really get good at it. Um, and some of you uh, might have picked a trivia competition. So what are you going to do? You're going to fill your brain with as much trivia as possible so that you will be ready for this competition. My point is this. If the stakes are that high, one trillion dollars, like that's, that's big money, okay? then we're going to do everything we can to prepare to win. We're going to put our all into it, and we're going to shape our life. Starting in verse 10. 
he says this. Finally. It's always good when you're going through a book in the Bible and you get to the word finally. Crack your thinking up. What does it mean? It means in this last section right here, he's kind of his, his last thought, the most important thing, summarizing what we've looked at throughout the whole book of Ephesians. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. That last word is, he works there, is, is our goal. As a Christian, our goal is we want to stand firm. And Paul here is using military language, and, uh, and what he goes into next week is, is the, the descriptions of the full armor of God, and equating that with the spiritual aspects, uh, we'll remember that, that Paul, good to see you, Thor, um, we'll remember that Paul uh, was in prison at the time, and so most likely while he's writing this, he's got a Roman guard standing there watching guard over him in his full military outfit, and so this kind of makes it an easy connection for Paul to write about and say, what am I trying to tell these people? Well, yeah, it kind of looks like that guy, except spiritual. Um, and so we'll look at that more next week. But what he wants us to do is he wants us to be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. He doesn't say, hey, just of your own volition, you need to do the right stuff and you need to fight the devil. You know, right? Like, it's not like, hey, you know, get your best water gun and run to hell with it. You know, like, that's, that's not what he's saying here. Um, what he's saying is, be strong in the Lord and the strength of His might. It all starts with our relationship with God and His power working through us. We fight the devil not of our own might, but in the might of Jesus Christ at work in us. We fight the devil not with our own might, but in the might of Jesus Christ working in us. Because you see, when Jesus, the Son of God, died on a cross, sin and death, he also ultimately defeated the devil. He did that work for us. He did that for us, and, and, and it's through his power and his might that we can see the devil defeated in our lives. Um, the same power by which he brings salvation into our lives is the exact same power that he has over all spiritual forces of darkness. And so, if you try to take on the spiritual life of fighting the devil by yourself, it's probably not going to go very well. But if you take it on through the power of Christ in you, well then, you've already won. Um, I've had someone ask me before, it's like, hey, Wayne, do you think that, that you could cast out a demon out of somebody? I'm like, me? No. Jesus at work in me? I have no power personally over them. I have no authority in myself over them. I'm like, you know, I'm a pastor guy, whatever that means. 
Jesus in me and through me, well, he has the power. He has all authority. And so, sure, I believe he can do that through me if it ever came to that. It hasn't, but if it ever came to that, sure. So, what exactly are we up against here? Go back again to verse 11. After he says, put on the whole armor of God, he says this, that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Here's, here's our goal, that we're to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Our struggles aren't just with, with this. It's not just between you and people, but there's spiritual forces at work here. Against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness. Listen to this one. This one should really kind of hit your head. What? What did I say? Against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. That's not usually where we think about spiritual forces of evil being in heavenly places. What's up with that? And so we look at all this, and there's there's a whole theological movement. shows up in scripture, disguised as a serpent in the Garden of Eden, through temptation, brings sin into the world. And so from the very beginning, what we see out of this being, that this being is a liar, and that this being is a corrupt being, and this being wants to corrupt others as well. Wants to bring others down. Number two, Satan was originally an archangel and led a rebellion of God in the heavenly realm, and those angels who followed him in the rebellion are now known as demons, okay? And so, um, many of us, maybe if we, if we take like an image of like what the devil would look like or what Satan would look like, uh, it might be, oh, 
what's the character's name in, um, in Hercules, um, that's the bad guy? Hades? Okay, it's just called Hades. I couldn't remember his name. Anyway, all right, so Hades, you know, that, that character in that animated movie might be what we think about, you know, like fire blazing or whatever, you know, we think about fire and pitchforks and, and all this, or red being angry and scary looking and all that. Well, what Scripture actually talks about what Satan looks like is that God said he was the most beautiful of all of the created beings. Um, and he will still present himself in that way um, of something that looks very beautiful, something that looks very enticing, something that looks very attractive. And that's one of his, his schemes that he will throw at us is that he will come in his his quote-unquote true form in which God created him as a beautiful being. And so if you think, well, okay, I just need to be ready to fight against this scary guy that show up. No, he's, he's very deceptive, and he comes in all different ways, and he probably doesn't look like what we think that he would look like. Another point with that is he is a created being. And so when we think about good versus evil, God versus Satan, we, we, we think about them being like, oh, well, they're on the same level, right? Where they're fighting against each other, opposing forces, you know, from other thought processes that are like yin and yang or something like that. Um, you guys are welcome to come on in or the kids are in the back. So, um, but yeah, so, so we think about them being like, oh, we're, they're looking eye to eye at each other. Well, it's not that way at all. Like God is up here. Satan is a created being that is under his authority. He is not equal with God at all. Um, Satan, as far as on like created realm, he's on the level with like Michael um, or Gabriel, one of the archangels that we see in Scripture. And then we even see that in certain places, those two do have had literal battles with each other, uh, where the archangels have fought with Satan. We see that in the book of Jude. Um, and so if you think about this and you think, oh, well, I don't know if it's going to work out, right? Because maybe, maybe Satan will just get one over on God and he will surpass or whatever. Satan is like so far under God and his abilities and his authority and everything that it's, it's not even a fight. Like it's not a fair fight at all. Um, and so, so just understand that. And the demons are all those angels who were following him in the rebellion. Number three, demons are limited by God's control and have limited power. We see this especially in the book of Job, where Satan is trying to afflict Job, and he's trying to bring all these hard things against Job. And, and God says, nope, you can't go there. Nope, you can't go there. can't go any further than that. Satan says, well, if you let me do this, and God says, okay, you can go that far, but not any further. And so it makes us question sometimes, like, well, why does God let him do anything? Um, but what we see as truth from Scripture is the fact that demons being led by Satan are limited by God's control, and then they have limited power. But where are demons? Are demons in hell? Are demons on earth? Are demons in heaven? Is that here? Spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. So where are demons? 
Satan is referred to in Scripture as the God of this world, meaning earth, this realm where we live. But he and his forces also appear to enter into God's presence in the heavenly realm. We see this again in the book of Job, where Satan is coming before God, presenting his plan that he fires away and wants to do to Job. We see this here in the book of Ephesians, where it talks about these spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. But then there's also other passages of Scripture where it talks about Satan being cast down out of heaven, where he's been thrown out. So which is it? I'll tell you, this is a struggle, and it's not completely 100% clear on how all this works, okay? But, let's look at what Jesus said about it. In uh, Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 17. So Jesus had sent out his followers to do the ministry and to spread the gospel. The 72 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. There's a lot that Jesus says right there. But he does say that I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. And then there's these other passages most of them are in books of prophecy, which make it a little harder to understand exactly on the timeline when this happened or when this is going to happen. Because a lot of what we read in Scripture of prophecy, the, the prophet is just given a vision by God of this picture. And the picture, some of the picture, because it's in God's time, not in our time, some of the picture is stuff that's already happened, some of the picture is stuff that's about to happen, some of the picture is stuff that's far in the future. And so, some of those places where we see this talked about in Scripture, it is in the middle of prophetic writing, and it's, it sounds like, well, oh, this already happened, but then in the next sentence, it's like, oh, well, this is obviously something that hasn't happened yet, and so where exactly is this that Satan was cast down out of heaven? Um, to answer that, I'm not 100% sure. Um, but we do know that he has led this rebellion in heaven. God has executed um, justice for that. He's executed punishment. And then ultimately, where things are going for him are not good. Let's look at Revelation 12, starting in verse 10. Now war arose in heaven. So once again, this is prophetic writing. When was this war? We don't exactly know. Is this something in the future? Is this something that's already happened? We don't know exactly know. Now war arose in heaven, Michael and his angels fighting against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back. But he was defeated, and there was no longer any place for them in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down, that ancient serpent, who is called the devil and Satan, the deceiver of the whole world. He was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. And I heard a loud voice in heaven say, now the, now the salvation and the power of the kingdom of God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down, who is 
rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. But woe to you, O earth and sea. So what do we, what do we see right there? How was it that Satan was cast down? He was cast down by the blood of the Lamb. It was the blood of the Lamb. Jesus is the blood of the Lamb. When was the blood shed? When Jesus died on the cross is when the blood was shed. So was it at that moment that he was cast down, or is this something that's still to happen in the future? Or is this something where through the power of that, it's something that happened mysteriously in the past by God's timeline, where God's outside of our time? Are your brains hurting yet? Because mine's been hurting all week. So I just want to share the joy. But what we can rest assured in from what we see here in Scripture, and if you want to hurt your brain more, look at Isaiah 14. sure is that right now, Satan is considered the god of this world. He has authority over this world, over the darkness, over sin that reigns over this world. And we see that he has that authority right now. But we also see clearly in Scripture that his power is limited by God's sovereignty. That God is ultimately and completely in control. Satan does in this world is limited by him and cannot go beyond what God will allow it to. And then in the end, what we see is that number five, ultimately Satan and his followers will be defeated and will be thrown into the lake of fire. This is their ultimate destination. So what we can see for sure from Scripture right now is that Satan does not live in a place called hell right now. He's going to be is in an eternal place called the lake of fire, where it will be an eternal punishment for all of his wrongdoing that he's done against God. And what he would love more than anything is to take as many people with him to that place. You can look at that in Revelation 24. Number six, the defeat of Satan was accomplished by Jesus' work on the cross and through the empty tomb. So we saw that um, in that passage we just looked at in Revelation, that that is where the defeat happened. Um, Paul also uh, gave us some of this in Ephesians 1, which we've already covered in a little bit ago. So let's look back and read it again. Ephesians 1, uh, starting verse 20. And it says that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. You're going to notice the same, same language here as what we're seeing at the end of Ephesians. Like I said, he's bringing this all together at the end. Seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is written, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as a head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills Following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, who is that? Satan. The spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest. 
So, as a Christian, we don't have to worry about demon possession or anything like that. 
of stuff happens, but the can't is the Lord's got us. But what he can do is he can come at us with circumstances. He can come at us with afflictions. He can come at us from the outside to try to trip us up, to try to bring us down, to bring temptation into our life, to try to get us to fall into sin, try to get us to fall away from where God would have us to be. He can bring all of that at us. But he cannot control us. And that is good news. Let's look at James 4. Instead, we're instructed to stand against them in the power of the gospel. And so, Christian, I encourage you to stand strong. Hold your ground. Don't give in. Don't let him win. Because ultimately, in the end, he's already defeated. Jesus has already done that. And the same power say, hey, just put on part of it. And next week, we're going to go through what he lists as the armor of God. And so we'll see more of that next week. But for this week, just, just know, we're looking for a total package. And it's something that when we're putting it on, it's something that we're all always trying to improve. And so, we, any soldier in this day, whenever they, they would put on their sword, what, what would sure it's sharp. Make sure it's ready for action. For anybody that, that was putting on their shield, would they say, oh, well, it only has a couple of holes in it. No. They make sure their shield is ready to go. They polish their helmet. They have it all ready. And that's what we need to, to be prepared for. And as we go into next week to look at these different areas of the armor of God and what we want them like. We need to have the total package applied or putting it on. Okay? And this happens in a person's daily life. This is something that you need to be working on daily in your life. Not just, hey, yeah, Sundays are good. I, I kind of get my shield a little polished there. No, this is something that you need to have this personal relationship with the Lord where you're walking with daily and growing in that personal relationship with Him Guess what? The enemy doesn't come just once a week. And 
so we need to be ready for him at any time, at any moment, when he might come. And the way that we do that is by continually putting on the full armor of God. Another way that you, you do that is by preparing yourself and by growing and learning. And uh, we've got a, a new conference that we're, we're doing this year in September, next September 20th and 22nd. I hope you can all be there. Um, and it's called the Grow Conference, not because we're talking about how to grow pot, um, but because we're talking about how to grow as a Christian and how to grow in our spiritual lives and in these areas. Um, and I'll tell you, most of you guys know, like, I'm, I have a couple of degrees in Christian education and stuff like that. And so I've been in a lot of, like, Bible classes and all these kind of things. But if you ask me if there was one class that probably impacted me the most in this area of being able to put on the full armor of God, it was a class I took in my undergraduate degree, and it was on the spiritual disciplines. That sounds really boring and really lame, but it's the most powerful and impactful class of any class I've taken, and I've taken a bunch. It was taught by a guy named George Guthrie. And, uh, and Dr. Guthrie um, recently got a new job. Tennessee at the school that I worked for you there, um, but he recently got a new job at Regent in Vancouver, and as soon as he moved up here, um, I said, Dr. Guthrie, I want you to come talk to my church, um, and, and so we worked out the dates, and so he's coming, and so that weekend, you're going to have the opportunity to listen to him and hear from him on what, what it is that we can do to grow in our spiritual lives. What are, what are those kind of practices that we want to put into our lives in order to be able to grow? Um, and so I highly encourage you to mark those dates off. Um, also, some of you that have the gift of, like, planning events and things, I would love your help. Um, and so anybody that wants to, to help out on the planning side, the teaching side of that, uh, talk to me. I know a couple of you signed up for that back when uh, we had some volunteer signs at the beginning of the year. But um, that's coming up. I highly encourage it. Specifically, bring him and ask him because he is an expert. Like he writes commentaries, he's he's you know he's a pastor to pastors kind of guy. And so um, I encourage you to be here for that. And that will be a good opportunity uh, for us all to grow in, in our practice of putting on the full armor of God. And we do all of this so that I can stand firm.
Thank you. 